significant. But the reason uh, I'm in a bit of a mess is it's 32 years. Oh. It's been it's nearly 33. Um, you thought it was 30. Um, it's 32 years of how God has birthed something in my heart on worship. And uh, I'm not going to contain this morning for more music worship time. Uh, in fact, I'm not even on the roster for July for music worship. Some of you said, amen. Um, thank goodness. But it's, it's, been, it's been 28 years. I'm going to go 28 years because I can't remember the, the first four odd. And uh, I've got this little guitar. It's about this size. It's, it's kind of the size of a ukulele. If you don't know what a ukulele is, Staccato Music Store at St. George's Square. Free advertising. Thanks, Dan. Um, that's the ukulele. I've got a six-string guitar that's, that's kind of that size. And we were right in the back of the building. Now I know why they actually had us seated right at the back of the building. Because I was playing with the music team when I was five years old. And it wasn't a nice chord. It wasn't an E. A set in the key of E like we did this morning. Uh, it was a joyful noise. That's where the word joyful noise comes from. Uh, Raymond, five years old, flogging a six-string nylon little guitar. I'm just banging it away. And um, that's apparently why we sat right at the back, because uh, the pastor asked my parents, please sit at the back, because he's making a noise. Uh, I just added that for effect. But um, that's, been, that's been my first memory, really, of me staying in Cape Town, is with a little six-string nylon guitar, playing with the music team, uh, apparently singing with... And if I sang anything like my daughter does at the moment, it sounds like la 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 la. Um, she reads to us. She's two years old. And she's her dad's child. She reads to us at two. So she opens a book and Inga goes, My life, what's stand up? And then we have a big celebration. It's like, yes, that is such a nice story. Next page. And then next page, like, clack, clack, clack. that was probably something similar to, to what I sounded like. Um, that's really the, the start of, of a journey in, in worship. And the last few weeks and few months has been, has been intense. So I'm in a good mess because I've really been digging into uh, Scripture, specifically Acts, Romans, Revelation. And I'm like, wow. And uh, in a specific book that I'm reading and, and a specific devotional that I'm doing to try and make sense, and I'm saying that humbly, to try and make sense of, Lord, something is stirring in here, and I, and I love those stirrings, but don't we love the moments that we struggle to articulate? What is he saying? Uh, and then week one, and then week two, and for his sovereign reason, and uh, him knowing what he's doing is like, nope, I'm not going to pull the plug just yet. You can, you can dig in a little bit more. Um, that worship term that Peter described, the, the prostrate yourself. I've spent hours and hours and hours, specifically the last 10 years, just flat on my face, uh, on my knees, with music, without music, with a word, with a pen, with a journal, seeking. And seeking Him, crying out to Him, because He tore the veil and we have free access into His presence. And we have this call to worship Him that has far more to do than with six strings. And if I tell you my level of music capability, some of you might not come back next Sunday. <laughs> uh, or they, you don't want to be here if I play. I don't have a music degree of a day old. Um, I sang choir for one year and then I fired myself from a primary school choir. That's, 
that's, that's, that's my music degree. Um, but God did something in here, and thank, thank the Lord, most of the time I sing on key. Not like another friend whose name I'm going to mention a little bit later. Um, but anyways, I want to unlock something this morning regarding worship. And it's been, a, it's been a journey because individually and corporately, all of us have been sifted and are busy being sifted. Busy being molded, busy being, what's another word I used here? Purification process, continually, all of us. And it's been a, a great ride and a great journey in hearing from the Lord, what is he sifting out of me? What is he molding in me? What is he shaping because that process doesn't stop the moment that we feel like we have a bit of a breakthrough. It, it, it's, a, it's a continuous thing of, Lord, more and more and more closer and closer and closer to your heart. And even before I thought and um, knew, if you will, that I was going to be in full-time vocational ministry, a song came out um, that stirred my heart. And, and that song, uh, the band or the guy, his name is Leland uh, great, great heart of just worshiping Jesus, and he does that with music as well. And that song's name is Pure Bride. Pure Bride. You get it on YouTube, YouTube Music, Apple um, Music, Spotify, Samsungify, all those, all those, wowee! <laughs> um, get it there. And the, the, the moment of the song that hits me the hardest every single time is Right, right, right there. And it actually sounds like a new song is actually starting. For me, it doesn't fit. Uh, but I don't have a music degree, so that's why it probably doesn't fit. Right, right, right at the end, the song kind of takes a quick turn. And it's as if he's speaking. It's not really even singing. I mean, the song goes well. It's coming for a pure bride. It's coming for a pure bride. Right at the end. And the music starts fading out. It's as if he's, he's talking his way through this tag or bridge or whatever you want to call it. And he says slash sings... What are you doing when no one is watching? What are you doing? And then it goes something like, God's coming back for a pure bride, so children be right. And that's something I want to freshly unlock this morning, freshly stir in our hearts. Uh, and that was a song that he, that he stirred. And at the consummation of everything, that is what will happen. I'll get to the slides just now. That's what will happen. He will come back for a pure bride. That's not negotiable. That's not up for discussion. That's absolute truth. Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. And we are either being purified and we're either being allowed to be purified or we're kicking against it. And we go for the conditioning. We go for the pure said it so well, the broader way. That's, scripture says it well. The wide is the way, broad is the way, and then narrow. And to fall in alignment with what he's doing regarding purifying his own bride is, a, is truly the journey that we're all on. Have that to do with music or, or not, we're all on that journey of becoming a pure bride. And uh, John 4 is a moment in Scripture that, I'll get to the PowerPoint, John 4 is a moment in Scripture that speaks about worship. We know John 4.24. If you know John 24, 4.24, uh, Jesus is speaking to this, to this specific woman, and he says that uh, such worshipers the Father is seeking... And it's those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Everybody fine with John 4, 24? I think that's something like the NIV version. But um, there's an interesting thing about John 4. And in fact, that whole passage is that's the longest recorded conversation that Jesus has with someone in Scripture. 
As long as we caught a conversation, imagine her claim to fame walking in heaven. Because from, from John 4, I can kind of gather that she made it. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm not the judge. But imagine walking around in heaven is like, I'm that person that had the longest convo with Jesus. <laughs> While he was roaming the earth, it's me. And my convo went into this book, and this book went viral. And it got translated into hundreds of languages. Like, I'm that woman that had that convo with Jesus. And um, what a claim to fame. And uh, in John 4, she, she, Jesus approaches her, and for him to approach her, he even bridges some cultural barriers. Uh, Jesus being a, a Jew in um, kind of race, if, just for the lack of a better word, in nationality, in birth, and this woman being a Samaritan, and it's nearly like the bluebulls and stormers. Like, you, you, don't, you don't go sit, if you're a bluebull, you don't go sit next to a stormer and, and speak. There's usually a fight when that happens. And um, so this is, this is something similar. Like, they weren't, they weren't supposed to mix. They weren't supposed to um, have relationship and converse, etc., etc. But Jesus has this conversation. What makes it beautiful is that this woman is not in a great space. Uh, Jesus, obviously, being God fully just in the flesh knows exactly what she's doing and what she has done. So her past is not very fresh. Not a fresh past, like all of us. And if you're a first-time reader of John chapter 4, it starts off in a specific way, and you think, this lady's going to get it from Jesus, because he knows. The longest conversation that Jesus has with a person that we have recorded, the heart of that conversation is guess what? Worship. Guess what the link is to what Jesus did. He had this great build-up that he used. Like the cymbal swells. You can hear the cymbal swells in the background. You can hear Herman fading in and us, Like a little G chord there. And Jesus kind of builds up to this point. And he reaches this climax in John 4.24. But just before that, he makes the link between him being the living water. And if you drink from him, you will never thirst again. You'll be fully satisfied. And he turns the tables and he puts, and this is the type of worship as my father seeks. A people that are fully satisfied in him. John 4. Go read it. That's the angle that Jesus takes. Isaiah 55 starts off with just verse 1. Isaiah 55 starts with... Uh, four moments in verse 1 that says, come, come to me. Come, I can't quote Isaiah 55, it's not on the screen. Come buy, come have milk and honey without cost. Come get food without cost. Come get water. It's this rich invitation to drink from him. And then verse 2 goes on to say that, don't spend your money on the things that don't satisfy. And then a few hundred years later, Jesus in, in John chapter 4 goes, here's what satisfies the living water. And he invites that woman into a moment of, come, come, come. And that invitation for all of us afresh this morning has been resounding for a few years. Um, come into that living, living relationship with him. That's John 4. So this morning, um, the angle of his word will not return void is really to point us back to Christ when it comes to our worship. That's the reason for this morning. Uh, Christ as supreme, whenever and wherever we gather. Whenever and wherever we gather. Christ as supreme. The main focus of our worship 
And that might be thoughts. That might be conversations. It might be a set list of music. It might be a sermon. It might be a business deal. It might be a schooling moment. Whenever, wherever. That the main focus of our worship is Christ. And when we do gather together, Peter said, once a week on the day that suits us best, we bring that worship into this building. We bring that adoration that we have unto God. And when the music does start and we sing, it's just because Christ has been the focus. He's been the living water. I've been drinking from Him. I'm having this, 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 uh, this intimate relationship with Him. And it's easy just to go, Lord, I, I lift my hands. I raise my hands. I'm down on my knees. I'm face down on the floor. Because you are just so amazing. You are just so amazing. A quick confession of a music worship leader. I spend more time down there than what I do up here. And to stand there and hear us singing is probably one of the most beautiful things. And don't sing louder just because I just said it. Um, Sing louder because he deserves it. But to stand down there and to sometimes just not sing because if I sing, I can hear myself in my own head. Um, it's, it's just amazing. Just to hear the worship of Jesus just, just fill a room. And the focus just being Christ. And no motivation needed. No like, come on, worship. He says some. Yay, yay. It's because there's a living water inside of us that we're drinking from. And then he deserves that. Brandon is, uh, is away in the, in the UK at the moment. He's, uh, between me and him, we've got this joke. That's, this is another person that I said I'll mention. Um, when it comes to us singing together, he texted me. He's there for his, uh, for Saul's uh, mother's wedding. And he texted me and he says, Raymond, you'll be so glad about this moment. I'm like, uh, but he, 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 he sent the full text. He says, I've been asked to lead a hymn. At the wedding. And by lead, I mean vocally. (laughs) My friend, you know how bad I am at singing. This is the moment that you've been waiting for. He texted me like, please help me. (laughs) We just just laughed. We just laughed. Um, We trust that God had mercy on the wedding. (laughs) Brandon can't sing for a day old. I mean, really, if, if, the health, if the health of the church was based on his, on his singing, it would have been a bad day. But do you have any idea how much that guy loves Jesus? Do you have any idea how much Brandon loves Jesus? Can't sing for it like he's really bad. He's really bad. Just like my brother-in-law. Like they both. And then sometimes they're together. And, that's, and then they both from KZN, which makes it worse. Like two Durban guys that can't sing. It's really bad. <laughs> but both of them love Jesus. It's not about singing on key. It's about drinking, obviously, from the life, and that is Christ. I want to run through a few things. Slide number one, which is welcome. Slide number two is what do we want to see? And sometimes we have this DNA talk. Uh, what do we want to see as a congregation? Sometimes I have that talk to myself. What do I want to see if I am in a position to cast a vision for a team of people, uh, whatever the concept might be? Hey, here's what I want to see. Nothing wrong with that. Here's, here's, the, here's the preferred future that we want to see for the youth, whatever the case might be. What do we want to see? And I think it's, it's, it's a noble start. Not a bad thing. Um, so-called 
everything rises and falls on leadership. So what do we want to see? But I've got a better question. Second slide. What does God want to see? What does God want to see? And then ultimately, our third slide, and that's the question we're going to answer, is what will God see? To start with what we want to see as a local church, here's our DNA. And we're unpacking that and we're even putting words to that. Nothing wrong with that. As long as we fetch a DNA from what he will see, the DNA will be aligned to his word. The DNA will be aligned to what he calls up out of church. And our DNA won't be a great meeting that we had. And we put a few great thoughts together. Okay, great. Let's push in this direction. Because we might just push skew. We might just push out of Christ if it's not aligned in Christ. And praise God, we're sticking to his word. But what, what do we want to see? That's great. What do I want to see when it comes to worship? What does, what does God want to see? What will God see? And we're going to run through a few scriptures to uh, prove what he will see. I'm going to start at the end, and we're going to go back to the beginning, and then we're going to end right, right at the end again. Revelation 7, verse 9 to 11. This is obviously a prophetic picture. This is what God will see. Non-negotiable, not up for discussion, absolute truth, boom, right here. Revelation 7, 9 to 11. After this, I looked, John penning this down. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, not a soft one, a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's a picture of what will happen at the end, if he comes back, we go to him, which, whichever one comes first. But this is when he comes back, with kind of that, that consummation right at the end. This is what will happen. Jesus will see a people, a tribe, a language of many that worships him. That's what he will see. That pure bride that he gave his life for. That is what Jesus will see. And if we take that to our context, do we want to see that as well? Yes, then that's a noble, let's stick to the plumb line of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. Let's stick to his word. Let's stick to his spirit. Let's make sure that we are part of this, this, um, this every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, uh, purified the white robes, purified in the blood of Christ to go, salvation belongs to you. That's the focus. He, he's the focus. That's what he will see. It's a beautiful picture. And that started way, way, way back. I'm going to go to Exodus, not Genesis. So I'm probably going to give you a sermon title. His word will not return void week to a worshiping people. Next slide. Cool. There we go. A worshiping people. His word of what he will see will not return void. Let's jump to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 15. And um, this is before Moses is sent to go to Pharaoh. We're going to read four slides. Um, because I didn't want to make it too small. It's 15 verses, and we're going to unpack a few things. I hope you're ready. Everybody ready? On, on key or off key? Both. Okay. Exodus 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. I'm sure all of us would have been in that moment like, what is happening? It's like usually when we bry the meat and the, 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 the wood kind of goes, but this bush is not burning up. So Moses thought, I also would have thought, like, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. Science at this moment is not making sense. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. We go over to verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, and I want us to see the things that God said to Moses. And as we read these things, please put yourself in Exodus chapter 3. Put yourself there. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring, to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, all the ites. If we pause on that slide for a moment, the, the love of, of a God that sees and he says, I hear, I see. I'm concerned. And there's only one way we can get this down. If I go and rescue. And all of our hearts will be for God. And God says, I can see. I can hear. You're in bondage. You're in slavery. You're in trouble. There's only one way out for you. That's if I come and rescue you. You can't get out of that. Notice also that it's not just a rescue from. It's also a rescue into. Okay, great. Now let's get them out of Egypt. Cheers, all the best. Into a good and spacious land. From darkness to light. From brokenness to whole. Next slide. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. So I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. A few verses before we've seen, it's this presence of God moment. And in this presence of God moment, what happens? Moses gets an assignment. So a quick side note. If you want your assignment from God, get into his presence. You'll get an assignment from God. That's where our assignments come, in his presence. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who's ever had an excuse list if God calls you? Yeah, like a long iniki. Paul also had one. Uh, Gideon, later on in Exodus, Moses, he really tried his best. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. There's a worship that God had in store for his people that he had to first rescue them out of to restore his own worship. 
Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Noble question. I do think like, okay, like who am I telling them? Uh, Like someone sent me. Let's see in the next line. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent to you, has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. That's the presence of God, a burning bush moment that Moses gets his assignment. And his assignment is to set a people free to worship God. Very, very specific. We're going to look into the next slide. As uh, Moses went to, to Pharaoh, he took Aaron with. There's uh, obviously a few chapters that we're not going to go into. Exodus 5 verse 1. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God, let my people go. What's the reason for the rescue mission? So that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. There was a purpose behind what God was saying. Exodus 8 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that they may worship me. There's a purpose behind this rescue mission. Exodus 9, then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. God has always had a worshiping people in his heart. And he had to rescue us first so that we can step into this worshiping life. We were bound. We were in slavery. Please read, just read Exodus. It's a, it's a phenomenal story. And, and place yourself there and, and see like, Lord, I, I might not have physically been in the land of Egypt with someone hitting my back with a whip and me pulling bricks and mortar. Even worse than that, I had Egypt right here. Right here. Because we can be a physical slave, but we can be free. But we were spiritual slaves. We were spiritual slaves that had to be freed. So, next slide. We all need to be rescued from the Egypt in our hearts. I look at that and I... And I think of the last 32 years... Music, non-music, playing a guitar, singing a song, co-writing a song, writing a song. And I'm not at all famous for standing here. And I go, and Lord, what a rescue mission you had to come and do in my heart. Even after, still, daring, continuously, rescue me from any bit of slavery. Galatians goes on to say that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born of the Lord, to redeem those under the law. So that we can cry out by the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but a son. It's difficult to worship if you're in slavery. It's difficult to worship God if we're bound. It's difficult to worship God when we don't see Him for who He is, don't align to who He is. It's difficult. And God says, but I've paid it. I've pulled you out. I've rescued you. False identities. It's difficult to worship God in a false identity. Bound to something that you're not. And it can be even a spot on stage. Hiding behind 
a guitar, a piano, and I'm giving a bands a, a hiding here this morning. I'm hitting my own name with a plank. It's not freedom is not when you stand here and you have a guitar or a mic. It's freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. And doesn't matter the key of the song, on key or off key, we can go, Jesus, you're the center of my worship. Even if no one sings with, it's to you I sing. In fact, those are the beautiful moments at home. Exodus 15, here's a song that they sang. Um, obviously, after this whole ordeal of exiting, exiting um, Egypt, being rescued, then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song to the Lord, saying, and this is just out of the Red Sea, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Think about um, Colossians that said, He's triumphed over the enemy. Uh, the horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. What do we get out of that? Next slide. We all need to respond in worship because He has rescued us. That's a life that He has called us to, a life that lives for the glory of God. Because we were in darkness, because we were bound, because we were in slavery, and He pulled us out so that we can worship, so that we can hear His voice, that we can be in intimate relationship with Him. Even into this morning, it's been a, it's been a uh, difficult two weeks, lightly, lightly said. It's been, it's been quite a ride. And trying to get clarity into, uh, Lord, how can, I, how can I articulate this? How can I say it? Digging into His Word more, singing songs, spending time with Him, still didn't get it. Just, I just, it's just been a stormy, stormy two weeks. One picture. It took one picture of the cross to settle me. As I was searching for a few things desperately, Jesus, help. It's cloudy. It's stormy. One picture of his rescue mission. One picture that I saw of the cross just settles as we respond in thanksgiving. That's who he is. That's, he's the focus. He's the focus. Sometimes I, not we, I get so clogged up in... I guess there's a, there's the beautiful pursuit behind it, but oh Lord, it's it's dear my God, just help me to just get clarity, help help me not to overthink so much. Funny how the gospel, the cross, just just settles you. Leave that stuff for later. I will. I'm busy with you, Jesus. That I figured out. Um, First Peter two, verse nine. So that's Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. But you are a chosen race. You've been told this morning you're beautiful. I'm going to say that in a different way. You're a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his own possession. My daughter is two years old and probably the picture at this moment that I can think of that, that is the best for me if something is your possession is a little sheep that's about that she uh, inherited. I'm going to use inherited from Misha. Um, a little sheep about this big. And uh, she possesses that sheep. I'm thankful that the sheep is dead. 
It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a toy. When she takes that sheep, I'm like, <coughs> she possesses that sheep, and she holds onto that sheep, and she strangles that sheep, and it's like this is mine. So she, she walks around. She goes, "Stay fast, stay fast." She can, in her, in her way of saying it, "Stay fast." She holds that sheep, "Stay fast," and this is the picture I get here: a people for his own possession. God is holding us, stay fast, stay fast in his arms. Why? Why? There's a purpose. There was a purpose behind the Exodus so that we can worship. This, this is part of the greater purpose as we see the overarching meta narrative. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him. Why chosen? Why royal? Why holy? Why does He owe us stay fast? That we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people. But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What a phenomenal picture. Just, there we go. I'm, I'm chosen. I'm royal. There's a priesthood about us, which is a ministering position that we have that God gave us. We can minister out of being a priest uh, in his kingdom. It's phenomenal. It says there, so that we can proclaim his excellencies. And I'm, I'm landing this plane uh, quite quickly after this, I read Matthew 28 the other day as part of me having a stormy moment and uh, as part of me sifting through things, really having to lay things down and then pick up what, what he's asking me to pick up. And Matthew 28 uh, in my reading and in my devotional time was part of well, what do I need to lay down and what can I pick up? I know Matthew 28 well. And I really know it well from verse 18. And I also know verse 16. But for some odd reason, verse 17 has been missing out of my file. In my head and in my heart. It's still in my Bible. I didn't highlight it with black. For some odd reason, verse 17 has been just somewhere. Since you've been gone. And then, but I found Matthew 28 verse 17. It's still there. Here's what it says. We're going to go from verse 16 straight through to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Just like Moses got his assignment in a holy moment of a burning bush, the disciples got exactly the same. And I asked myself, I'm not asking us, I'm asking myself, Raymond, when last did you see that the Great Commission was given in a moment of worship? When last? What's the reason for us being church and a missional people? The worship of Jesus. That's why. Discipleship is nothing more and nothing less than helping someone worship Jesus more. Or helping someone that's not worshiping Jesus to worship Jesus. 
and then the process thereafter. That's discipleship. And the moment we miss the Great Commission in a, in a, in a, in a worship, um, I'm going to call it atmosphere, that's when we get performance-driven. That's when something else drives an agenda. It's wrong. It's wrong. This was a holy moment that the disciples had. And Jesus was even gracious to give the commission to those who doubted. Because he knew he'll pull it through. He knew. I was convicted out of my shoes and socks and whatever I had on. Like Jesus, I'm so sorry. For some odd reason. I even know verse 16. And I can even give you some cool theology things about verse 16. Why it was in Galilee. When they saw him, they worshipped him. And out of that, he said, you go. And obviously, Luke, that you have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit before you go. If we marry the two Gospels. The moment we forget the presence of God and we want to help people get into the presence of God, life really gets difficult. If we miss His presence, how can we help other people get into His presence? He's called us to be a worshipping people. Next slide. Our worship is the, sorry, our response in worship is the foundation of our mission. I'm going to end where we started. What will he see? What will he see? What do we want to see? What does God want to see? What will he see? Revelation 7, 9 to 11. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He's called us to be a worshipping people and He will see a worshipping people. He will see it. And I'm encouraged. Who can I take with to join me in Revelation 7? And why do I want to take someone with? Because He deserves every single voice on key or off key. I'm not sure if Brandon is going to see on, on key in heaven. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to sing on key. I guess so. I don't know. Who can I take with? Who can I help? Because of something that Jesus has done in our hearts as church. And we leave those doors right now. I like it. And I'll, I'll always say it. We leave as missionaries. Because that's who we are. But we're worshiping missionaries. Because the mission without a worship is just a great to-do list. It can keep you busy. But a missional people with the worship is a lifestyle. And then we get people to join.